Hi everyone, Luke here. I just wanted to take this opportunity while Pete's not around to talk to you about UFOs. You know that I'm interested in UFO sightings, but Peter will not let me talk about them on the podcast. So instead, I'm here to recommend a different show which does discuss extraterrestrial activity and a whole heap of other unexplained paranormal mysteries. I absolutely love it. It's called This Paranormal Life, and it's an award-winning comedy podcast where comedians Rory Powers and Kit Greer inspect different paranormal cases to try and find the truth inside the mystery. Previous episodes investigate things like the Battersea Poltergeist and the Roswell UFO incident. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Sorry. Uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave the studio for like two minutes and you're talking about UFOs again, Luke. I'm actually just recommending to the Luke and Pete Show community to check out This Paranormal Life in case they want some more info about the mysteries, Pete, that you refuse to let me talk about. Mm. Uh, well, look, I, admittedly, I love Rory and I love Kit. They're good fellas. And I think we should leave it to them, the experts. I was actually just listening to St. Patrick's Day episode. And I tell you what, it was a bloody good listen. Apparently St. Patrick, right, he used to battle druids in Wizard Jewels, which is a little bit of rock and roll, isn't it? Uh, do you reckon I would beat uh, St. Patrick to some kind of Wizard Jewel, Luke? Oh, I reckon you could in those trousers, mate. Yeah. Search This Paranormal Life in your podcast app to subscribe and listen now. Please do it so Luke stops talking to me about UFOs. What's that up there? It's a light, you dickhead. Last night, an e-bike saved my life. Oh, tell us more. One of the new stories on the BBC website. Cycling is just a hobby to many, but many others. The battery power of an e-bike has transformed their lives. It's true. I guess that's true. People with limited mobility, um, they've probably never thought that they could, you know, their main form of transport could be a bicycle. But uh, with the batteries, them lithium ions, beautiful. Get them legs piston pumping. Get yourself a, uh, a new Emperor battery in there. (laughs) <laughs> or a new panda, or a uh, alkalisk. Alkalisk in there. You're away. It's funny aspects. you mentioned that because last on Monday we talked about Ginger Baker, didn't we? And, and he sadly passed away. Drummer mm. of Cream. It's a Luke and Pete show, by the way. I'm Luke. Hello, Pete. Um, and Ginger Baker, I'm led to believe, became came quite close to becoming a cyclist. He was oh, almost really? a cyclist. Yeah, I think he had a kind of accident in his teenage years, right? Which meant that he didn't want to do it anymore. He's quite so. tall and lithe, wasn't yeah. he? So he, I think he'd have the he'd have the power. I reckon he's also fond of the drugs. So <laughs> yeah, he's um, getting in it for the pop belgers. So he started drumming instead, and um, we didn't get a chance to talk about it because we mentioned it just as a uh, as an addendum on Monday mm. show. But I mean, the volatility of. Um, Ginger Baker, Jack Bruce, and Eric Clapton in Cream, this mm. seminal 60s kind of outfit who played, uh, famously played, um, uh, made, put together some amazing albums in like a couple of years and then just split up. But they would be like properly fighting um, at one point in the middle of a, um, in the middle of a, I mean, this is the thing, right? I know, you know, sometimes you don't want to be old manny about it, but a lot of time people say, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit sanitized these days. It's all kind of music industry's kind of. Mm. It is what it is. It's about fronting up, doing your press interviews, doing your bit, yeah. playing the game. Like, clearly it was much more like the Wild West back in the 60s, for mm-hmm. example. And there's talk of that, um, and I think it might be covered in that film I recommend, Beware of Mr. Baker. Uh, during a Jack Bruce uh, bass solo, um, Ginger Baker got so bored that he <laughs> um, he just stuck smacking his, his snare drum with his stick, then threw the stick at Jack Bruce's head, right? <laughs> so Jack Bruce got his bass 
and smashed the shit out of the kit and tried to hit him over the head with it. <laughs> and, the, and the concert just fell to pieces. <laughs> and they just fucking left. I mean, that's proper. <laughs> that's what you want, isn't it? Well, not if you've paid your money. I think people are a bit more demanding about the professionalism of their uh, rock stars nowadays. And if I, if I, haven't, if I haven't told the I'm story... I'm straight up to the Via Gogo website, they'd say... If, uh, yeah, yeah the right, exactly. just trying to attack the drummer. I'll be leaving a two-star review. <laughs> but if I didn't get a chance to tell the story on Monday and I haven't <laughs> told it before, I just, I just apologies if I have said it before. But very, very quickly, I'll just say it again. I went to go and see that documentary film, Beware of Mr. Baker, and it was a. I went with my mate Tommy, and it was, um, it was a showcase. You just advanced tickets. Mm. You just we just bought tickets, and it was featuring Ginger Baker and a music journalist called Michael Han. Mm doing a question and answer session after the film. So they showed the film and then Gingerbread came out, everyone cheered. Maybe it was very frail even then. It was about 10 years ago. Um, and they started asking him questions. But Ginger Baker was the most objectionable man. Like he, he just didn't want to be there. Oh, yeah, I do, I do recall this. It was and quite famous. On, it was on the BBC website, wasn't it? Like this, yeah. the worst interview ever. But the interviewer dealt with it quite badly, in my mm. opinion. But anyway, it just descended into him just saying, all right, just tell me the name of a drummer and I'll tell you whether I rate him or not. And that was the interview. So I, I, I like that. I thought it was brilliant. I was absolutely loving it. It's like those wrestling spot interviews where people yeah. um, where just they just ask, they just have a list of names. They go, "Is he a dick? Dick or not dick?" And they go, mm. "Dick, yeah, dick. Everyone's a dick. Everyone's always a dick." The opening scene of Beware, Mister Baker involves Ginger Baker breaking the filmmaker's nose with his walking stick. <laughs> he's he's one of those he guys. Was on, he was frail, on... old, but just mentally hard. <laughs> he was on. Uh, didn't he, he? He was in all kinds of trouble about ten years ago, wasn't he? He was like. Uh, at Death's Door then he sort of came so. back he got well into the heroin I mean he lived to the age of 80 so good on him that's what I said. well that's what I always think about the um, you know sort of say, oh that wasn't a, that wasn't an amazing um, innings when a rock star dies quite young I mean like, you know, people like I don't know Tom Petty or something didn't, didn't how old was to, Petty I think he's in his, he's just approaching the 60s I think maybe right he wasn't old um, old old anyway um, but you sort of think the amount of fun those guys had yeah if I've ever overindulged in anything, I sort of go, oh, that's knocked five years off at least. I think I think I think Ginger Baker died quite. A, I don't think he was very wealthy or anything. I think he had made some oh, quite yeah. poor decisions. Mm. But he was no, he's a, mad. Didn't care. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, God rest him. His contribution to popular music will never be uh, forgotten. Some amazing stuff, and and he did some really interesting stuff as well. A lot of jazz <laughs> stuff, a lot of kind of Afrobeat. Mm. Went to live with Fela Kuti for a while. Did his own sort of jazz kind of project. Interesting, interesting. And stuff. put up with Clapton. Followed the music. Yeah, well, quite exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So what's been going on? We're just um, more tours, really. Just much more. Just bits and bobs are off yeah. to Bournemouth tonight. Yeah, we are. Um, I was quite interested in this story, um, which came out of uh, the BBC website. Um, a man, <laughs> a man was stopped by police who essentially got so upset that he failed his driving test that he just drove off. Oh what he <laughs> he ripped the L plates off his car and just drove off, <laughs> and he got he got about five miles down the road, and the police um the police pulled him over. And here's a thing, right? Here is a thing. That's here's quite funny because he's had a tantrum. Here's he's probably a, a young man, and we've all been there. We haven't all done this specifically, but a couple of things caught my eye. One, mm. he's driving a peach coloured mini, which is quite funny. Yeah, and two, the the prevalence of different police services on Twitter is um, I find quite interesting. What do you mean? Well, police are there ultimately to prevent crime and to stop crime, right? Yes. And to arrest people for committing crimes, all the rest of it. And the community outreach thing is important. I understand that. It's a big part of it, particularly in London, all the problems we have here. I get that. But when they tweet stuff out like this on the A50, bloke fails his driving test in Derby, throws his teddy out of the pram, 
rips his L plates off, jumps in the car and drives away. Stopped, vehicle recovered, reported to court, hashtag seized. It's like, you're showing you off be, there. Yeah, you should sure, be doing that. Sure, button. a yeah. man who's clearly having a difficult day. Community outreach is one thing. It's important to show people what you're doing, yeah. how their hard-earned tax money is being spent, etc., mm. etc. Don't be taking the piss out of people for committing crimes and making mistakes because you end up looking like a prick. Well, exactly. And, 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 and people and think, to be honest, people sometimes fairly think the police are pricks anyway. Mm. It's not a good look, I don't think. Mm. So Derbyshire Roads Policing Unit, think again. Agree. You wouldn't get on with those, um, you know, those motorway cop shows. Whoever tweeted that. But they would. That's part of the problem. What? They would. They all That's want to the be thing. celebs. You've seen Road Wars. They've all got like <laughs> nicknames and they've got little mascots and stuff. <laughs> I just don't know if that's the right thing to be doing. <laughs> no, I don't think. It's, it's still true. a funny it's, story though, it's isn't not it? A, yeah, it's not a performance. I enjoyed, uh, I was watching a clip yesterday of a um, bloke from Liverpool getting arrested on the strip in Las Vegas and he is pissed. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't think I've ever encountered a man quite so drunk. Why was uh, he pissed? What have he been doing? He's just been out and about. He was talking. Why was he pissed, Pete? Because he'd been drinking. A little bit of the bubbly. Yeah, I think a lot of it, the bubbly. Yeah. He was completely, to- he was topless, uh, <laughs> just wearing a uh, pair of uh, swimming shorts. And he just he was just trying to get back to his hotel. It was during the day. He didn't know where he was. Mm. And he's going, <laughs> uh, yeah, we saw you over there, sir. And he was going... I was in camouflage. You couldn't see me. <laughs> it's just absolutely wild. What happened to him? <laughs> Quite. Uh, I think they were surprised at how jovial he was and how um, you know he wasn't. He wasn't saying "fuck off, fuck the police" because <laughs> he was just pissed and he was scared he was going to get arrested. But you can't muck around with you the Americans. You can't police. muck around with the Americans. No way, Jose. They will draw a bead on you. What are you expecting from Bournemouth tonight, Pete? You've been to Bournemouth before. Have I been to Bournemouth before? I think I was going to go out in Bournemouth because my friend lives in Abhortsmouth, or he lives in Gosport, rather. Um, that's where I'm, that's where I'm we from. Were going, so it's not a million miles away from there. It's quite far away. Is it? How many, be, how many miles? I can remember the only times we ever went out in Bournemouth when I was growing up was when someone put on like a special like minibus to go to right. Opera House, which was the big nightclub Opera in Bournemouth. House. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> I hated it um, at the time, but I pretended I liked it. It was not a little indie room for it, you. It was quite, it was quite cool. Um, there were girls there, yeah, yeah, which I liked, but they didn't like me, so that's pointless. Mm. And um, you'd end up, what would happen was, it's probably about, I mean, I'll just double check, but I'm pretty sure it's, I think it's at least an hour drive, Right. I think. Let me just check. Give me a sec, I'll just check. And um, I'll give you, because I'll give you a better indication of, of how tedious it was. <laughs> so it is an hour and 15, yeah. right? And if you're on a minibus, it probably takes a little bit longer. So it's 55 miles-ish. From Gosport to Bournemouth. It's not close. Yeah, but are you doing this um, on the website that tells you during the day? It's going to be traffic. During the night when you're pissed at 1am, probably less traffic. No, but so my point is... a quarter of an hour. My point is, you go to a, you, what you would do is you would go to a pub, mm. and um, obviously it's before the internet and before Uber and all this kind of crap, yeah. and before you had any money. Aye. So you go to the pub, and someone would say, oh, by the way, put a minibus on to Opera House in Bournemouth, and for 20 quid, you can get in, and you get your oh, minibus you get your, there yeah, back, right? Nice. So you go cool. to the pub for seven, have a couple of beers, get into the minibus at eight, mm. and it would drive you the hour and however long it was to Bournemouth. And you'd be at a nightclub at nine o'clock. No, 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 because you, you get to Bournemouth, oh, right. and you have a couple of beers in the pub there, yes, okay. and you go into the opera house about 10.30. Yeah. But the problem is... Wristband? Yeah. Cool. But the minibus back, four. Oh. No yeah. other option. That so is... if you're having like a shit time, or you yeah. don't want to be there, you've not been there before, and you think it's not really for me, mm. good luck. You're stuck in Bournemouth town for <laughs> six hours, and you can't get back. That's a stinker, that, isn't it? And you didn't even have like mobile phones or anything then, no. really, to do anything. So that's my kind of memory of going out for nights out in Bournemouth. But the last time I went there, it was very, very stag and Hindu orientated. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, it's you, weird little you, pockets. You, so that's a good thing. It's not a good thing. 
No, I wasn't saying it was a good thing. I was just saying, oh, interesting. I went there for a stag weekend because we were supposed to go to Amsterdam, but then the older Icelandic volcano scuppered oh, us. I hate Iceland. I hate Iceland. I hate Iceland. And so that's the last time I was there. Yeah, that's the last time I was there. Bomber for a stag do, Lukey Moa. So like it not a lot. You're excited, are you? Yeah, I'm going to join a Hindu. You're a bit, <laughs> you're a bit Ill, Ill earlier in the week. Are you going to learn your lesson? No, God, no. That wouldn't be me. I'll be dead by um, November. After the American show. It's my favourite Work Left Jean song, that. <laughs> what? It's my favourite Work Left Jean. We did by November. We did by November. He's not by any old. Uh, What's he done? Charity. Remember, he's as charity for. Um, what's the country he comes from? Haiti. Haiti. Sorry. Haiti. Um, he. Uh, yeah, his, um, his charity. Obviously, he's a big lightning rod for because he's a, a notable. Haitian, uh, he they didn't they gave like a minimal amount of money. They made like they raised millions, but gave a derisory amount to the actual people of Haiti. Sounds like a Trump charity. <laughs> it does sound like a Trump charity. Trump charity Terrible. confirmed to have bought um, with some of the donations a massive portrait of Donald Trump. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. Would you? Although it isn't unbelievable. Would any sane person? Yeah, but presumably those charitable donations are. It's just for idiots, really. Who who know what they're going to get out of it and it ain't, you know, goodwill. They know that money's gone to Donald Trump. They know that money's... That, that At best, it's a tax write-off, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, massively. Yeah. Um, I've, I found the story, um, which I found quite fascinating. I don't know much about it, but mm. I'll just put it out there. There's a village in northeast India called Kong Tong, which um, has a tradition that's been going back for hundreds of years where every time a baby is born, mm. it's, it's given a song by its mother for a name. So instead of right. having a name, it's got like a short little song. Ah, Isn't what's that your cute? name? Yeah. Ah, searching for the cities of gold, Donaldson. My name is, <clears> so <throat> call me maybe more. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently um, apparently, um, uh, people aren't using the names anymore. They're resorting to kind of outside names, so kind of shortening names. So the, yeah. the people are fearing the tradition is going to be lost. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you've, you've, the internet has made everything very small. Yeah. And we've all got to kind of get on, haven't we? But it's a lovely idea. I've heard you say that before. <clears throat> we've all just got to get on, guys. We have, we have indeed. I thought that was a nice little story. That's, anyway. a, that's a lovely let's, story. Pete, let's take a little break. Yes. A little breaksicle. And then we'll um, come back and we'll do some emails. How about that? All right, then. Uh, Hi, everyone. Luke here. I just wanted to take this opportunity while Pete's not around to talk to you about UFOs. You know that I'm interested in UFO sightings, but Peter will not let me talk about them on the podcast. So instead, I'm here to recommend a different show which does discuss extraterrestrial activity and a whole heap of other unexplained paranormal mysteries. I absolutely love it. It's called This Paranormal Life, and it's an award-winning comedy podcast where comedians Rory Powers and Kit Greer inspect different paranormal cases to try and find the truth inside the mystery. Previous episodes investigate things like the Battersea Poltergeist and the Roswell UFO incident. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Sorry. Uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave the studio for like two minutes and you're talking about UFOs again, Luke. I'm actually just recommending to the Luke and Pete Show community to check out This Paranormal Life in case they want some more info about the mysteries, Pete, that you refuse to let me talk about. Mm. Uh, well, look, I, admittedly, I love Rory and I love Kit. They're good fellas and I think we should leave it to them, the experts. I was actually just listening Thank to you. their St. Patrick's Day episode and I tell you what, it was a bloody good listen. Apparently St. Patrick, right, he used to battle druids 
in Wizard Jewels, which is <laughs> a little bit of rock and roll, isn't it? Uh, do you reckon I'd beat uh, St. Patrick to some kind of Wizard Jewel, Luke? Oh, I reckon you could in those trousers, mate. Yep. Search This Paranormal Life in your podcast app to subscribe and listen now. Please do it so Luke stops talking to me about UFOs. What's that up there? To light your dickhead. On. <laughs> what is that? Oh, what is that? What little even bit, is that? Little bit of the um, stab. What's his name? Sam Lebon. Little yeah. bit of Lebonny. Little bit of Lebonny. Mm. Um, hello at lukeandpeteshow.com is the place to email in. Oh, baby. Um, have you got one, Pete? Uh, yes, I have. Hello to uh, Paul Harvey. Greetings from an expat uh, residing in the sporting capital of the world, Melbourne. Um, saw, the, saw the below spot some time ago, and your latest show mentioning potential spots for me to uh, become a world champion at led me to think of this. Um, basically, it's an interesting little spot. If my computer will allow me to click on the bloody link. Uh, Trugo, a bizarre spot unique to Melbourne. Uh, it's a mix of croquet, golf, lawn balls, and the hammer. <laughs> wow, this is like this thing we were talking about yeah, before. We should find that we should find a sport that Pete, you or I, could be really successful at. Mm. We were talking about pee flicking, weren't we? Before, I'm uh, I'm very much a part time member of the Yarraville Trugo Club, and I haven't played an official game for them yet. I probably never will, as I live nearly eight thousand miles from the ground. Uh, but I wear my canary <laughs> yellow team shirt with pride as I arrive. Um, so yeah, these guys just have this kind of game. I think you get it. Th- I think you got to fire it through sticks. Uh, the current world champion. Uh, says that Paul is a uh, is a bloke who just turned up and in true Aussie style had a crack. Well, and he won. And he won. He's a future. Like that guy who's that ultra marathon in Australia with his work boots on. Remember that story? <laughs> well, that rings a bell. Yeah, he was like an old guy. He's like in his fifties. He turned up this ultra marathon and he didn't really know what he was getting in for. He didn't know you could stop to sleep and he just ran for like fifty five hours <laughs> in his work boots and won it. Lovely. It's great stuff. Lovely old job. Feels like Australia is maybe one of the only countries you can still do that kind of thing. In. <laughs> well, you got to keep running from the spiders. Well, true, exactly. Everything you touch there kills you. Um, what about this from... Oh, this is this is anonymous. It's Ow. probably best that I read it out, Pete. Okay, You'll okay. like this, though. Um, he actually starts the email by saying, this is kind of boring, so you won't read this out. Hmm. Well, hang on a minute, mate. We'll be the arbiters of what's boring and what isn't. Um, and he says, please don't use my name or the company name because I've signed an NDA, but I was listening to your last episode about Samuel L. Jackson doing the Amazon voice. Yes. I'm a sound engineer in Berlin. Ah. What do you think he looks like? David Bowie. <laughs> cardigan, glasses, yeah. bow tie. Really? Ca- no, not bow tie. He'd have a cardigan on, though. Yeah. He'd be um, off to the bug in every night, get some new sounds. Yeah, is that what they make them? Yeah. Is that where all new sounds come from? I'm not very well, Luke. You're going no. to have to push through that. <laughs> you know um, you know that um, Kraftwerk used to have this thing where they, would so, they were so obsessed with sound yeah. that they refused to have um, the... Yeah, exactly. They refused to have the phone ring in their studio. Okay. So they didn't want it to pollute the sound they were making and stuff, right? <laughs> so and that and that became particularly problematic when it came to doing press interviews. Yes. Um, because they'd always be in the studio. Mm. Obviously, that I mean, people who don't know who Kraftwerk are, you can look them up. But that's suffice to say, they're a bit weird. Otters. Yeah. Um, they used to have a phone, but they disabled the ringer. So, so what, light. No, 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 they didn't have a light. What they would say is. Yes, you can do a press interview with us. Please call us at 2.25pm. <laughs> and someone and, would be there to pick it up. Well, and they would just pick up the phone at 2.25pm. And, and if someone was there, they would get it. If not, you'd miss your chance. <laughs> I love it. Imagine if we had that. No one would know who we were. I've got a lot of time for that. Yeah, Isn't it, is it uh, Robert Smith who only answers emails or looks at his emails two days a week? Right. 
That's a, that's a great rule. Well, I know people at Capital Radio who used to work with did that. <laughs> it was you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did I tell you about the time I emailed around from the director's email address? No. Inviting everyone to a barbecue at his house. Oh, yes, I think you did, yeah. yeah. Dags. I, 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 Dags. Didn't get, I didn't get fired for that. Yeah, because you were friends with Dags. That's how it works. That's the moral. <laughs> Become friends with your boss. The moral of the story. you'll never work another day in your life. He was great to me. He, he, he took me back into the office after I got married, done it for my other job, and went up to someone and just said, find him something to do, please. <laughs> it was great. I was there I like for like him. a year. I like that. I like. Didn't Dags. get paid. Good block. No, I did. I did. I did. I did. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, um, sound engineer in Berlin. And he said, last year I had to uh, record a, dev- uh, a voice for a device mm. um, that a certain company are planning to bring to market next year. Which a device. A device, which is essentially um, like Alexa, but for their particular okay, yeah, customers. Yeah. He says, we work with a company who specialize in speech to text recording. Okay. Basically, you get about three to 4,000 script prompts which require about 60 hours of recording. Um, as English, they are predominantly bullshit. For example, the apple is trained to decipher the ankle, but they basically contain all the possible phonetic combinations in English. Mm, okay. From there, it's simply a case of running every prompt through something akin to a spectral analyzer yeah. so it can recognize all the wave patterns of each phonetic element. You'd have to be very careful about um, <clears throat> not running one sound into another. You'd have to be very careful of how you pronounced things. The diction would have to be pretty... Yeah. You'd, you'd not be fucked. Um, and he said after that you simply have to write a text script which can then reconstruct any word based Mm. on the phonetic construction and in theory you can get the voice to say anything even if it wasn't recorded saying exactly that yeah Um, it's basically given the right script and as long as the recording is consistent between 60 to 80 hours of recording are required to effectively synthesise someone's voice to the point where it sounds natural when they say any sentence in English Um, um, so that's how it works yeah lovely old job um Many you uh, like that sort of stuff, don't you, Pete? Well, I kind of figured that would that was how it was working, but uh, you'd still have to um, spend a long time doing different phrases and stuff, wouldn't you? To, for, to get down for me, it's less for me the, the side of it that I'm more interested in, and I probably didn't make this clear when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm less interested in that, I'm more interested in how it recognizes what I'm saying or what you're saying and how it implements that, right. Because people speak in a variety of different ways and a variety mm. of different accents, and so, for example, uh, the software just must be unbelievable. Because if you, if you if you say you move, decide you want to move to Italy, mm. and you take your Alexa with you, that's fine. But if you want to buy an Alexa when you're there, I mean, is it set up for English? No, because it, it's all be down to your account. So, I mean, those Alexas are just basically like a microphone and an internet connection. It doesn't it doesn't do any processing in the box itself. It sends it to a much powerful, uh, much more powerful computer. Provide the Wi-Fi. Yeah. So, you know, it'll send it to one of those Google kind of Amazon-y kind of um, But it, But it still needs to be able to understand and implement hundreds of different languages. Yeah. So, I mean, I or don't... Or it's just limited by language. I don't really know how... I, fundamentally, I don't understand how Chinese people understand each other. Uh, you know, Cantonese, Mandarin, all of the tonal languages. I Because it just seems to be optional sometimes when people speak. Uh, but do they, have vo- do they have voice-activated devices? Yeah, they all are. Yeah, all, and, and it's all perfect. All, all perfectly done. Because because someone was saying, because I remember um, a while back, there was a, this, this kind of sort of prevailing wisdom that, well, what you want to do is you want to start teaching uh, Mandarin in um, schools and not Spanish because, you know, Mandarin is a language of the future and all the rest of it. But then someone else said, well, hang on a minute, it's so nuanced and so different and you'll get people in different parts of China who don't understand Mm. certain other parts of Mandarin because they're in a different place Mm. and the tonality is different and very subtle changes can make it very, very different. That it's almost impossible. There's no point even trying. 
Well, I mean, you can learn it, but I mean, it's... But you can learn it to a proper level, though, right? Say again? Could you learn Mandarin to like a proper level if you hadn't lived there for years? Well, it, I think learning a language outside of the country makes it difficult wherever you are, isn't it? I mean, like, if, yeah. if it, it, I would say it's nigh on impossible to learn a language like that without um, submerging yourself into it. And even if you learn Mandarin, Chinatown, round the corner from me, they're all Cantonese speakers. <laughs> it's like, are they? It's, Why is that? I think that's the choice of, or, or the, I think the people, um, expats, or you suppose Chinese expats, I suppose. I'm fairly certain there's a lot of uh, Cantonese speakers in those. I don't know. I, I don't know why. I don't know why, but I'm fairly certain so that's you, why I read somewhere. So you're basically saying your your efforts to learn <clears throat> Japanese are like a fool's errand then? Well, it's a fool's errand in that I don't live there, so it's not, I'll never be able to get good at it, really. I mean, I, you know, I, again, and I'm, I'm also very, very lazy, but I'm very interested in it. I find the whole thing very fascinating, where the words come from, and and uh, they're, they're uh, language that are obsessed with um, wordplay and onomatopoeia and mm. stuff like that. I, I find I find that side of things very very interesting. But it's quite interesting as well how, okay, an example, Alexa or whatever the variation mm. they have in China would work based on a language that is so tonal. Yeah, it'd be more difficult, but apparently they they, they work fine. But again, it's just all about training an algorithm, all about training the artificial intelligence. That, so it gets better as it uh, so goes it on. Better. That's why, you know, Amazon, all those companies and Google are, are in trouble for recording um, audio and sending it back to the lab just to, you know, because they just need more data, more and more and more data. Like the, the bigger the sample size, the better the results you get, isn't it? Are they listening to us now? Well, the, I, well the this will listening? live. This will live on. I mean, I'm. I've got no doubt in my mind that uh, certain parts of the um, deep thinking uh, computers will be training themselves on things like podcasts. I guess in the end, at the end, you have to figure out what we're actually saying in the first place. I, I think the computer would come to us and go, "Well, they can probably understand your voice, but mine is a little more complex." But if you and I, <laughs> if you and I are having a conversation, not on a podcast, right. And there's a phone in the room that's on. Can that listen to us? It can listen to us. I mean, any bloke who works, uh, bloke or madam, <laughs> works in bloke or madam who yeah. works in uh, national security will say a, a, a phone is literally a microphone if it needs to be. But, and a smart TV as well. Yeah, all those, all those. But but most um, companies' best practice will not have them uploading everything. And to be honest, what are you really broadcasting in your house? Which well, is kind of interesting because it's about permission, right? It's about it's yeah. about it's about the things like um, if I chat to my wife about potentially having a new bathroom or something. Yeah, I I might want a new bathroom. Mm. But and if I'm being bombarded with adverts, yeah. because they've heard what I've said, mm. that's a massive breach of privacy. Yeah, but I mean, like we all we all get our new products and we're really excited about them. And we click through all our T C TNCs, all the TNCs that say, "Look, we are allowed to do this and allowed to do that." Click, 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 and we just click. Oh, through. I never even read. Yeah, exactly. So no one does. There's a great There's a great Limmy sketch about it's that. Like where... being, it's like being back at school. I say I've read it, but I haven't. <laughs> it's a great um, Limmy um, sketch where he they're about to, like break for the weekend and they're going out for a like clubbing or whatever, having a drink, and they're like, "Oh, get some tunes on." Limmy and he's like yeah cool and he's like All right, I need to install an mp3 player on my on my computer and he goes to install and there's this big you know um, T's and C's yeah. and he's like oh gosh they read this I'll just, I'll just print it out hang on and he's just he spends the whole weekend worrying about these T's and C's yeah. he's got like a solicitor and stuff and he's, his wife's like going to leave him because he's so distracted and stuff. <laughs> that's what it would take for you to actually read it and understand yeah it. there's no you know some some companies in the past have like put little prizes in their T's and C's so if someone you know uh, it'll say like ring this number and you win a prize 
And there'll only be ever one or two people uh, applying for the prize because they're the only people who bloody read them. It's mad. Madness. It is mad. Madness. The modern world. Let's do one more email very quickly. Um, this oh, is man. from Varsh, um, who says, Hi guys, I was reading at work today. Uh, and the reason I include this piece, because I think you've mentioned this to me as well. Um, there's, a, there's a guy who is suing Apple because he's claiming an iPhone app turned him gay. Got a lot of time for this one, to be honest. He says it comes <laughs> after an incident involving gay coin cryptocurrency. A suing Apple for twelve thousand um, pounds because what's a large amount of money? I mean, it's kind of interesting, difficult to get to the bottom of this. Where well, he's, he's he wanted to buy. Oh my God! Siri is listening to us. Oh my God! What are the chances of that? Turn it off. Hang on. How do I turn Siri on? Siri. How do I turn Siri on? <laughs> what is that? That is so weird. After we had that conversation. Right, hang on. Siri, hey Siri, can Bitcoin turn you gay? Okay, I found this on the web for can Bitcoin turn you gay? Can uh, Bitcoin turn you gay? Yeah. Uh, he filed this. He filed this. Um, <laughs> he filed this lawsuit on my birthday as well. No, twentieth of September. Happy birthday! Um, and he said, um, "I mean, the quotes are amazing." The quotes are he's amazing. Bought some Bitcoin. He's been given a different kind of Bitcoin, which is a gay interest Bitcoin, some kind of cryptocurrency. Um, the love of the willy or the boob, the depending gay... on if you are a man or a woman. Yeah. <laughs> is that Daniel Farker? <laughs> the gay coin cryptocurrency arrived with a note saying, don't judge until you try. <laughs> I, I thought, how can I judge something without trying? Yeah. I decided to try same-sex relationships. Now I have a boyfriend and I don't know how to explain this to my parents. He's very suggestible, this chap, isn't he? I'll tell you what. Should I advertise a new bathroom to him down the phone? <laughs> if you have, you have his hand in his pocket before you can say anything. Dressed as a well, maybe. Thank you very um, much to Vash for sending that in. I, I mean, just like that. I just, I he's clearly been caught doing something, and he's just trying to style it out in the most public forum possible. You cannot move for American gay conversion preachers right. coming out as gay. Oh yeah, because they get caught with hands in the till slash bum. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do there's like, that guy oh. what's his name what's the name of the, the preacher I forget his name now oh it's annoying he's quite a famous one the best the best ever example of this was he had essentially made a fortune in a mega church for um, and, and you know depending on your outlook you could make a decent argument I think to say that he was um, he was ruining people's lives I mean he was he was judging people making them feel awful for yeah. their sexuality right. and using you know his faith or what he thought was his faith, to essentially judge and be awful to, to gay people everywhere, caught in a hotel room with a load of crack and a gay prostitute. Look. Then, listen to this though, then guess what God happened? can't penetrate motel walls. <laughs> but guess guess what happened after that, Pete? He right. owned it, mm. said it was a crisis of his faith, yeah. and he got even more donations. Love it. More crack, more bum. <laughs> <laughs> he turned more it bum around. crack. I'm trying to think of his name. Love it. Uh, what was his name? Oh, I can't remember. I'm just getting, I think he was called Ted, but I'm just getting Ted DiBiase up in now. That wasn't he? <laughs> That's how he got all the money. Yeah. Um, oh, so he th- did nothing to Virgil. So this guy is obviously uh, going through a few issues of his own. Wish him yep. all the best, but that is a funny story. And we can't ignore that on the Luke and Pete show. I never get tired of men, uh, and it is usually men because we're stupid, uh, just embarrassing themselves in a public forum for little or no recompense. <laughs> Which is a Luke and Pete show. Exactly. Yeah. Debase ourselves, Ted Debaseyassi, yeah. ourselves uh, in front of a, 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 a being crowd. Just so you know, you can love feminism, love women without mm. hating men. You know that. 
What do you mean? You don't have to say all men are, men are stupid. We are stupid. Okay. All of the stupid stories are men. Yeah. So, so yeah, we are. We're dreamers. <laughs> we're thinkers. We're makers. But we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones. <laughs> all right, on that bombshell, let's get out of here. Um, oh, by the way, before we get out of here, before you press that button, all right. big, big uh, shout out to uh, Chris Morris coming back. You see oh, right, that? Yeah, okay. He did a really interesting, quite long form interview on, I think, Channel 4 News with Jon Snow. Jon Snow. 15 or 20 minutes. Comedy genius, Chris Morris. Amazing social political commentator. I love him. Love all his work, pretty much. He's got a new film coming out. I can't remember what it's called, but the interview with him, look it up. We'll try and share it on the Luke and Pete Show Twitter um, about the... Um, the role of satire in what is a mental age we live in now. And he's got some really interesting thoughts on it. And is it, is really it fair worth to say that out. Jon Snow had one question and just repeated it constantly? I don't think Jon Snow knew how to deal with him. Because <laughs> Morris is a brain as well, isn't he? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's worth checking out. Before we go, just thought I'd point that out. And if you ever want to see him, he's usually walking around Stock Newington. Is he really? That's yeah, good to know. I, I might go him. find him. Mm. Cake, the made-up drug. <laughs> <laughs> see you on Monday. Come and see us, ramblelive.com, baby. A Stakhanov production. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi everyone, Luke here. I just wanted to take this opportunity while Pete's not around to talk to you about UFOs. You know that I'm interested in UFO sightings, but Peter will not let me talk about them on the podcast. So instead, I'm here to recommend a different show which does discuss extraterrestrial activity and a whole heap of other unexplained paranormal mysteries. I absolutely love it. It's called This Paranormal Life, and it's an award-winning comedy podcast where comedians Rory Powers and Kit Greer inspect different paranormal cases to try and find the truth inside the mystery. Previous episodes investigate things like the Battersea Poltergeist and the Roswell UFO incident. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Sorry. Uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave the studio for like two minutes and you're talking about UFOs again, Luke. I'm actually just recommending to the Luke and Pete Show community to check out This Paranormal Life in case they want some more info about the mysteries, Pete, that you refuse to let me talk about. Mm. Uh, well, look, I, admittedly, I love Rory and I love Kit. They're good fellas and I think we should leave it to them, the experts. I was actually just listening to St. Patrick's Day episode and I tell you what, it was a bloody good listen. Apparently St. Patrick, right, he used to battle druids in Wizard Jewels, which is a little bit of rock and roll, isn't it? Uh, do you reckon I'd beat uh, St. Patrick to some kind of Wizard Jewel, Luke? Oh, I reckon you could in those trousers, mate. Yeah. Search This Paranormal Life in your podcast app to subscribe and listen now. Please do it so Luke stops talking to me about UFOs. What's that up there? It's a light, you dickhead. <laughs>